Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to another episode of AI Named This Show. We're your human hosts. I'm Tasia Custodi. And I'm Tristan Jutra. This is the show where we decode all the jargon around AI and keep you up to date in the fast-moving world of artificial intelligence. It's so exciting. And in today's episode, Tristan and I can't help but wonder, are AI clones coming for our jobs? All right, Tristan, I think what would be really fun before we dive into this, what I shall call a thick episode, if you will, we got a lot to cover. With two C's and a lot of AI. Woo, that's right. <laughs> that's our new tagline, two C's and a lot of AI. <laughs> I thought it would be kind of fun to let the people know where we're recording from, because I don't think we've really discussed this before. So I am in the States. I am in sunny Scottsdale, Arizona. And I'm in Canada, in North Vancouver, British Columbia. Sunny all summer and rain wet the rest of the year. Listen, it's like two months of perfection in Vancouver. <laughs> That's all you need. <laughs> it's beautiful enough to get away with it. But we would like to give a special shout out and a special hello to all of our listeners in the UK. Tristan. Speaking of gray and wet. <laughs> yeah. Can you believe we have listeners in the UK? Hi. There's a few dozen of them. Hello. Already. Five episodes in. Six now. What is? Yeah. We're like, what episode is this? It's six. Okay. Perfect. Cool. Cool. So hello to everybody in the UK and wherever else you're listening from. I mean, just let us know. We could have people we don't even know about, Tristan. And children we don't know about. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks to AI. <laughs> All right. Well... Now that we've got our pleasantries out of the way, we had a bit of breaking news this past week, and that has to do with the writer's strike that's been happening for, what is it, about five, almost six months now? But what does this news have to do with AI right now? Well, it was late on Tuesday afternoon, I think midnight, the New Deal came into effect between the Writers Guild of America and the Hollywood Studios, and... AI was one of the sticking points. There were some issues about uh, people power, how many people in a writer's room, for example. But according to the summary of the contract, which has been posted online, AI will not be able to write or rewrite literary material, and AI-generated material will not be able to be used as a source material. So an executive, for example, won't be able to just go and ask ChatGPT, to come up with a story and then get the writers to punch it up a little. It could turn it into a script that the executives or the studios then owns uh, own the rights to. 
The WGA also reserves the right to assert that exploitation of writer's material to train AI is prohibited. This means that if the laws change or AI training reaches a point of contention for guild members, the WGA will be able to call that exploitation. Now, just because the writer's strike is over doesn't mean that the actor's strike is over, the Screen, the screen Actors Guild. And there were some AI concerns there that we'll get into another time, hopefully when they resolve that soon. But that had to do with the uh, AI, the scanning and cloning, cloning of background actors to use in productions. It, which is getting better and better, by the way, so it's going to be pretty scary at some point. We won't even know what's real or what's what, as evidenced by how we ended last week's show. What is real anymore? <laughs> no idea. So even though we can't all be... Hollywood fat cat executives with their assistants going and getting them coffee and picking up their dry cleaning. We can have our own AI assistants now. It's true. We basically do. But what was it? Week one, week two? I mean, we've just done this so many so many weeks now, Tristan. It's hard to remember, but we talked about... I think about, it was even last week. <laughs> might have been. I mean, we've. I feel like we've mentioned... So the co-founder of Google's DeepMind, Mustafa oh, right. Suleiman. We mentioned yeah. him a couple episodes, I feel yes. like, and yes. it's all blurring together at this point. But he is saying that he's predicting that within five years... Everyone will have an AI-powered personal assistant that he is even taking a step further and saying will serve as a chief of staff of sorts. So this is kind of wild. I mean, obviously, we know right now, like, how we're using these assistants to, like, boost our productivity. And we think about, like, those daily tasks we're kind of pushing off, you know, helping us with some time management, even some creative things. But he's really saying that this can become, like, a much bigger personalized experience as like these large language models and these assistants get really trained on like our own personal history and they're going to be more aligned with our interests and that's what he's saying is really going to push AI's role beyond just being like a personal assistant like we've come to know and well I've I come to know and love I don't know if you love but I've come to know and love so the weird thing I think here is he also makes mention that AI, these AI assistants are going to start acting in, in ways that they can help us in business decisions. So that's where he's saying it's kind of similar to a chief of staff position, which I think is just hard for me to wrap my head around because like you look at a, a chat GPT as an example, has it even been out a year like ish? I mean, November 30th, 2022 is when it right. got released to the public, GPT-3. Right. So when you think of it in that way and like how how quick it feels like stuff is advancing, my mind, I can't really comprehend using it to make a business decision. But at the same time, the other side of my brain says, well, look at how fast all of this is happening. I don't know that Suleiman is that far off with assuming that this is a reality. I mean, especially within five years. I mean, geez, this could be a reality within like two at the rate that we're going. <laughs> it's kind of really scary. So you know, his whole argument here is that it's these AI technologies are really already being integrated into our lives for all these kind of various tasks. So this makes sense in terms of the next step, which, you know, something to consider would be some privacy concerns and data privacy. And I know we touched about this on the last episode and we talked about Bard having the Google suite of extensions now in Bard and how, you know, the user will opt in essentially and say, yeah, take my data, but we're trusting these companies with all of our personal data. So 
it does raise some security concerns, but if we are opting into this, I mean, it's kind of like Google knows me better than I know myself anyway. So like at this point, I'm all interested. I, I want a chief of staff. Like, I don't know about you. So like we discussed last week, there, there are efforts coming from the big players such as Google and Microsoft. And we're going to talk a little bit about Amazon today. But these tools being integrated into our work suites like Google Workspace and Microsoft 365, they have access to all the business data that we open the doors to. So it can, they can do things like analyze our data and look at trends and search for red flags. I have, I have one friend that did that six months ago, just copying and pasting some Amazon sales data into ChatGPT and, and looking for some advice there. So I think what Suleiman's point is here, as, as we let these assistants these chatbots, these LLMs become more and more enmeshed in our own data, be it our personal data or our business data, they'll be able to provide more and more value to us in terms of daily tasks. So potentially replacing not only an executive, a traditional executive assistant, like many um, C-suite type people and VP people, various executives would have, even virtual assistants that small and medium-sized business owners have, you know, often outsourcing overseas, because now we have these chatbots that know us so well based on whatever we've been sharing with them, and they can do more and more tasks for us. So it's another one of these questions of, we, we see how capable they are now, but what's it going to be like in a year, two it's, years, I don't years? even think we can comprehend it. <laughs> I don't think we can. They're making marketing strategies for us, creating <laughs> lesson plans. I mean, that's even, people are even doing that right now. They're going to be doing tasks that don't even exist yet. <laughs> well, that's that's right. why we can't picture it. That's how quick it's it's going. And jobs that don't even exist yet. We, we've talked in the past about uh, how prompt engineer was a brand new job. Well, quite rap that job is quite rapidly becoming obsolete because the LLMs, the chatbots, are almost better at engineering prompts than we are ourselves. You know, we're talking about all these AI tools, but Amazon's kind of had a bit of a, a busy week, haven't they? What have they launched in terms of some AI tools and can they be competitive to anything that we're seeing from OpenAI? Well, Amazon has actually been in the uh, in the game for a while, sort of flying under the radar a, a little bit, while OpenAI and Microsoft and Google were getting most of the attention. Of course, NVIDIA on the hardware side. But all the way back in April, uh, Amazon was announcing a deep dive into generative AI with a suite of cloud-based technologies through AWS, Amazon Web Services. So the... Things were happening there. Now, this is actually really interesting, the whole AWS angle, because it seems like these tech giants, most of them have a stake in seeing demand for these sorts of tools increase because they require intense amounts of compute power, storage as well. And what do you know? Amazon has AWS. Microsoft has Azure. Google has their own cloud services, which are a, a distant third. I mean, even Apple with iCloud, it's not really a huge business, but a more of a consumer business, and they outsource that to uh, others uh, quite a bit too. But Microsoft, when they invested an additional $10 billion after their initial $1 billion a couple of years ago, 
that $10 billion was largely in Azure credits. So, hey, OpenAI, you're this startup. You're, you've got some funding, but compute is costing you. And at one point, it was $700,000 a day, and it's probably gone up since then. You, you need a sugar daddy to, to help you with all that horsepower. So they've got Azure, and they've got the capacity. So they were able to make a deal, and part of that deal was powering the new Bing with OpenAI's ChatGPT, not only 3.5, but you can turn on version 4 for some web-aware ChatGPT uh, conversations, which are interesting. And it's interesting how different sometimes pure ChatGPT can be from dealing with Bing Chat because of that web awareness that Bing Chat has and some other different sorts of um, tweaks that they're making uh, to each of those. So similarly, Google is interested in seeing the demand for these services increase because they've got their Google Bard, which so they're kind of they're, they're self-serving in a way, like they're, they're their own best customer. But by making these a APIs, the application programming uh, interfaces uh, available to others, then you know people will be using Google services more and more. So it's one, another one of those cases like follow the money, see who's interested in make, making this kind of trend succeed because they're going to benefit. I mean, they have a, a general interest because they're, they're run by a lot of tech nerds, quite frankly, sort of like we are. But there's billions and billions, if not trillions of dollars at stake here. I'm just excited for, uh, I'm not going to set it off, but I'm just going to say I'm excited for my Amazon assistant to be smarter. <laughs> well, <laughs> exactly. And so back in July, Amazon had posted uh, uh, some PR about their commitment to uh, responsible and ethical uh, AI. And they have a number of points there that we'll include in the show notes that you can dig into. And in uh, just last week, they talked uh, with their uh, own event that was, we kind of got lost in the shuffle because we were talking to so much news from uh, from uh, Google and Microsoft, but Amazon Assistant now has its own Alexa LLM, or large language model, poised to improve the brains in your smart home thanks to its extensive, extensive knowledge of smart home APIs. So this is another case where the more it knows about you and your other devices and your home and your preferences and your routines, the more helpful A-L-E-X-A can be for you because it seems that all of these you know, these smart assistants have been kind of stuck for a while. Like, you know, Siri has almost felt, oh, felt in some ways, it seems like me. it's got do dumb, not dumber. Include, yeah. Do not include her well. in the smart assistant category. <laughs> <laughs> that is a hard no for me. What does she do for me? Set timers. Sometimes she'll call people when I ask. <laughs> Sometimes. And that's pretty much it. Does a great job with my lights. Anyway. <laughs> And the occasional, you know, math question. Better at math than ChatGPT. So, I mean, the, the point being is that there is a lot of room to grow for Google Assistant, mm -hmm. ALEXA, Siri, and whatever Samsung's doing nowadays at Bixby. And I think they may be retired Bixby and they've got, they're going another direction. Samsung's got their own AI efforts going as well. So there is a lot of help that these assistants could use by integrating these LLMs. And we've there's even news, like rumors that Apple has been spending literally millions of dollars a day now in their own uh, work. And they've actually, the news came out that they have acquired more AI startups in the last couple of years than any of their large competitors, something like 21 startups. So 
Apple often keeps their cards very close to their chest, mm -hmm. and they've talked about mach machine learning. They never, didn't even mention AI in, in using the, that phrase in their uh, last few keynotes, but they've been using machine learning to help with things like you know, detecting faces in photos and uh, for making autocorrect worse and the like. So hopefully when uh, they, they, they don't pooch it when it comes to um, Siri because hopefully the only way is up when it comes to Siri. Then the other shoe dropped this week. It's like Amazon is really putting its money where its mouth is because they have and they're investing 1.2 billion to start up to four billion dollars in Anthropic, which is another AI company that is again not quite as prominent as what we've been seeing from Google and Meta and Microsoft OpenAI. But Anthropic is the company behind the chatbot known as Claude. And so all of these LLMs have their own nuances to them. And there was actually, I, I listened to a podcast a few days ago, I think it was This Week in Startups, and they're basically saying, yeah, Apple should buy Anthropic so they can get in the game. And then, <laughs> whoops, <laughs> whoopsie doopsie, like Amazon just like yoink. And maybe maybe Anthropic was too big for Apple at this point. Apple tends to do acquire smaller startups, but Amazon has basically made a power move here and investing big bucks and Anthropic. And I suspect that, again, part of that deal is using AWS compute and or storage uh, for uh, the Anthropic's needs. So it's sort of a symbiotic relationship there for sure. This is why our Amazon Prime pricing is going up. If you don't want ads on Amazon Prime and you're going to pay another three bucks a month, this is why. <laughs> because they're acquiring, they're making moves in AI, and they got to pay for it. <laughs> so there's another little uh, article that we just wanted to leave you with for further uh, reading when it comes to the assistant side of things. Again, this is a bit of a follow-up to our last episode when we were talking about the assistance uh, and the updates from Microsoft and Google. There's a, uh, a great article in The uh, Verge, and I believe there is, oh yeah, there's a podcast episode, The Vergecast, where they basically talk about the history of AI assistance over the last five decades, believe it or not. So I'm, we'll just leave a, a link in the show notes for anyone who's uh, interested in that. Lots of, lots of good info about the history of AI assistance. Well, I would like to talk about one of my favorite AI tools. I mean, the OG. If we can call something an OG consumer model that's not even been out a year. but let's... My OG is Microsoft Tay, the racist <laughs> right. one. Oh, perfect. Perfect. But you're now going to be able to prompt ChatGPT with pictures and voice commands. Hallelujah. Amen. Finally. So, Multimodal. Yep. This version is rolling out now within these next couple of weeks, and you are going to be able to speak aloud a prompt or upload a picture in order to prompt ChatGPT. So here's how it's going to happen. Those of you that are not like me, I'm a very much a freemium user. She's cheap. <laughs> but if you are paying for ChatGPT, you're going to be getting yours shortly. In the next couple weeks, you should be able to do this. But it doesn't seem like it's going to be limited to the paid users. It's supposed to actually roll out to everyone, but us freemium users will just have to wait a little bit longer. They're just saying soon after, whatever that means. For the voice chat, you're essentially going to tap on a little button and speak out your question. ChatGPT is going to convert that into text, feed it into their model, and then give you an answer back and speak it 
allowed to you back so it be kind of conversational almost like similar to how we're used to like right now our traditional smart home systems but, but way more articulate and more like the star trek computer that we've all been dreaming of or exactly of exactly because obviously these are large language models that are way better trained as we just mentioned than certain assistants that she'll go nameless <laughs> so the other cool thing here is that you're going to be able at least to start choose from I think five different voices for ChatGPT to speak back to. They're obviously going to expand that in the future. Similarly, you're going to be able to prompt with an image. So this kind of think of it similar to how Google Lens works. So you're going to snap a photo of whatever you want more information on or whatever you're interested in. You'll throw that into ChatGPT and then ChatGPT is going to try to guess, like make its best guess on what what you're asking about based on that image and it'll respond accordingly and then you can also use like a drawing tool to try to make your query a little more clear if it's struggling and I know what you're thinking and before you get worried about privacy and other concerns because we are talking about uploading images this is not supposed to work on images of people so before you get any nefarious ideas Tristan <laughs> OpenAI has said it's deliberately going to limit ChatGPT's ability to analyze and make statements about people because we can only imagine the horridness that would come from that so that's both for accuracy biases privacy reasons all all of the things so we're not going to be able to upload an image of someone and ask like who is that mm -hmm. <laughs> as an example which is great but i think this is just another example of the next iteration the next version as these things are evolving so quickly like again not even been a year since it's been publicly available and here we go it's heating up <laughs> it's getting better and also to preface this by saying we all get frustrated when we don't get a great answer back we all get so you know we've just having this technology right in our fingertips has made us all like even more impatient and more like this isn't working right and all this kind of stuff and it's like <laughs> think of how quick we've come in such a short period of time so if you try to upload an image and it doesn't work for you right away just think about that. Instead of getting frustrated, think of the work and the analyzing that's going on in the large it's language model. It's going to space. Yeah. <laughs> be grateful. Seriously. Like, let's just check our privilege for a second and be like, this is insane what we're doing right now. <laughs> so the cool part about this the multimodal aspect to it, you mentioned being able to upload photos, is that let's say you're trying to you know, figure out how to change the height on your bike seat. Well... OpenAI showed a demo of that and how that might work in the real world by able to identify uh, you know, what it is that's in the image and telling it what you're trying to accomplish. And then it can give you some step-by-step -step advice. And you had mentioned doing drawings. One of the demos that they showed in the, in the spring that we've all been waiting for is part, as part of this multimodal rollout, it's being, being able to sketch out uh, a wireframe of say a, a, a web page and then have it go and code it for you mm -hmm. in HTML and, and CSS. So the other, another example they gave back in the spring too is like you know, taking a picture of the contents of your fridge and having it uh, suggest recipes for you. I think we're still waiting for that and maybe that's the sort of thing we'll start to see um, as a part of the incremental improvements or phased rollout of features in GPT-4. One of the other examples they gave had to do using the voice side of things was having it uh, ChatGPT create and um, tell a bedtime story as well. Uh, so you might want to proof that before you read it to your kids. <laughs> <laughs> so 
Yeah, the AI is coming for our parents' jobs as well. So parents, watch out. Parents everywhere rejoice. They're like, please take this part of the job. I'm tired by this point. Mama wants to relax. Like, let the AI read to the child. Well, it's not just parents that have to be worried about uh, the AI coming from their jobs. But, uh-oh, Tasia. Podcast. We've got AI podcasters. But 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 that's us, Tristan. No, what are we? Whatever are we going to do? Hey, we saw this a bit last week with what you surprised me with at the end of the episode. That blew my mind. Like, do we even need to be here anymore? That's the ultimate in and uh, in, in, in leverage. We'll go and hang out on a beach somewhere and let the machines yes. do our jobs and get some of that sweet sponsorship money someday. yeah next so, episode we're gonna tell you we're coming live from whatever beach we want to be at okay and it's the ai's doing the work for us there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So er earlier this year, there were some samples going around of interviews between the likes of Joe Rogan and Steve Jobs from Beyond the Grave. And... It was a little stilted. The Most of the dialogue, the questions and the answers were created by, I, th I think it was ChatGPT. It was one of the LLMs. And the voices were created by some of the voice models that are out, trained on so much of the publicly available voice examples. And it was an interesting first step that got people you know, thinking about it. Well, since then, again, Joe Rogan tends to be the, the obvious target because he's just out there so much, and I'm sure we're going to see this with more and more folks, is there is an entire channel called the Joe Rogan AI Experience in which he uh, interviews, quote-unquote interviews, uh, OpenAI founder Sam Altman, Donald Trump, and none other than Andrew Tate. So there's just the three episodes here, but it's... and. and Choosing at least two controversial figures there uh, to get attention, obviously. But again, these are people who have a lot of samples of their voice out there. And then I think the, the intros seem like they're handcrafted, but most of the rest feels like it's written by one of the LLMs. And then the voices are so good. You know, every once in a while, if there seems to be like a little lack of diversity in the, the tone, but again, they're just getting better and better. And even the tools that we've been using for our business. Uh, for some voiceover stuff when budget's a concern for clients. Tools like uh, Eleven Labs seems to be the gold standard right now, but there's others such as WellSaid Labs and RoboVoice that we used to use. But those voice models are getting so good, and you can you know, train your own like we did with uh, HeyGen uh, la last week. So 
podcasters, you know, whether it's a dream or a nightmare, AI will be could possibly do be doing our podcast for us, but not just in our native language, possibly even other languages as well, thanks to a, a trial program that Spotify has going on with select members of its own uh, exclusive uh, podcaster uh, community, whereby they will just take the podcast and run them through their magic AI. And all of a sudden, you have access to a much larger global audience. So some of the podcasters in question to start were our Dax Shepard, Monica Padman, Lexa Friedman, Bill Simmons, and Stephen Bartlett. And it's remarkable. OpenAI voice transcription tool Whisper, so OpenAI, the creators of ChatGPT, they've got the voice stuff going there too. And we'll see if people buy it. Like, mm -hmm. that's one of the things. A lot of people in other markets, like, don't necessarily, I mean, they may appreciate the access to information, but they may feel like, well, they're kind of being, it's kind of second fiddle. It's hard to say because, you know, we, a lot of us tend to enjoy TV shows and movies with subtitles or even dubbed. So this is kind of like the next iteration of that. You have a much larger addressable market, but will it resonate with that market, I guess, is, is the key because... People aren't necessarily just listening to podcasts for information. Some are, but some are looking for a, re like a parasocial relationship that mm -hmm. sort of develops with people that, you, that are in your ears for months, if not years, over, over time. So will it feel the same when they're sharing this stuff in a, non, a language that's not native to them, and it might be imperfect in its translation or its intonation? Will it feel kind of that un uncanny valley sort of situation? Or will it be close enough? And again, just getting better that it's actually going to do the trick. And that's what's going to be a little wait and see, which is why, you know, Spotify is rolling this out in small doses. And then they'll do some more shows. Like I think there's an upcoming show with Trevor Noah that they're going to try as well. And they'll get that feedback and the people will tell you real quick if it's working or not working for them. But it's kind of cool. I mean, it's literally like what we did last week with Hey John, just not only generating your what you said but it's your voice in a different language and like we said we thought it sounded really good as a follow-up by the way just so you know Tristan I sent my mom that video clip that you translated of me speaking what we think is perfect Italian and she said and I quote if I didn't know you couldn't speak Italian I'd totally believe it <laughs> wow fooled her it's accurate <laughs> That's an accurate statement. So that's, you know, we'll see as it goes out to these native language speakers. It's Spanish first, right, I think. And then they're going to do um, German and French is going to be next. So, you know, they're testing these waters and they'll see if it sticks. But I, I agree with you. I think it's just the next, the next iteration of things to come. But we might be out of a job here pretty soon and we only just begun. <laughs> well, before we're out of this job, you... Put something in the show notes about virtual influencers. Uh, I, I, it's it's not just podcasters. Sacred. Yeah. It's nothing <laughs> sacred. I can't even just be an influencer now. They're coming for that job now too. What is happening, Tristan? Best job title ever. I'm an influencer. <laughs> so believe it or not, the virtual influencers have actually been around for a while. Uh, virtual Japanese pop star Kyoko Date has been around since 1996. So it's, it's just that they're getting more and more 
photorealistic and even hyper-realistic nowadays, thanks to improvements in CGI, uh, computer-generated imagery. All these tools are getting better and better, and now we're able to create lifelike people in real time, speaking what, you know, either on their own based on LLMs or on scripts, and the voices are better. I think back in the old days, they were using uh, the, the voice talent and animating these things all manually, but now this can be automated in a in a huge way. But virtual influencers can can outstrip regular influencers and make hundreds of tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars per post. And they're even doing collabs with real people once in a while as well. And interviews. There's a, an interview uh, from Coachella in 2019 where one of the interview uh, influencers there interviews um, someone named Jay Balvin. Again, this is not my world, but Michaela interviews Jay Balvin, Co Coachella 2019. But when this is only four years ago, but you see like in some of the other examples we've looked at that we're getting to the point now where it, you'll be able to barely able to tell the difference between the real person and the virtual person. So watch out influencers, AI is coming for your jobs as well. The title of this episode really should have been like, nothing is safe. <laughs> like They're coming for everyone. This kind of reminds me of something that's happening in, in China right now where live stream e-commerce is so huge that there's a risk right now of AI clones putting human live streamers out of work, which is kind of wild to think of but so this is like don't think about in north america how we have what are they on like uh pbs oh like qvc it's yeah it's shopping like, channel it's like that but it's like in your face all the time super huge it's like 30 times as popular in china than it is in the states uh one million people i think in china work as live stream hosts so they wow present these things and there's over 10 million people in china that work in the industry so i mean this is a giant industry so basically think of it as an enthusiastic host presenting a series of products to followers so it, it's more intimate than a qvc show and like a home shopping network it's not like that at all this is like almost like you said it makes this almost relationship with this host and then people that are watching can buy via an integrated purchase button in app well, what's happening now is Tencent and some other companies are creating AI avatars that can host live stream shows, which is obviously a major threat to the human host's livelihood because what's happening now is these companies claim that AI hosts can, that are, they're essentially a massive upgrade. They're available 24 seven. Don't need to sleep. Nope. They don't need to sleep at all around the clock. They're cheaper to hire, quote unquote. <laughs> I'm putting quotes in the word hire because there's a lot of, like in any job, there's turnover when you're talking about actual humans. And they're all these companies, their whole point is hey, once you do like a five minute training with a simple green screen, five lights, and about five minutes in front of a camera with a, a person, we can recreate a voice. But it can go further than recreating voice and recreating that person. They can do custom avatars with custom voices if you want. In a matter of minutes, it is trained and it's way cheaper than training an actual human, <laughs> as you can imagine. So a few threats here. One is obviously this is a threat to put people out of work. But I would consider something like 
can they keep up the enthusiasm? Can an AI <laughs> avatar keep going? How for much coffee so can they long? drink? <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Because some yeah. of these live streams last three hours, five hours, six hours. Do they and, get breaks? <laughs> and I don't think so. Like I think they're constantly going, but that's the thing. The AIs don't need to, but it's their whole job, right? Is to create sales. And like one of the most popular live stream hosts in China, in like an hour live stream, he created a billion dollars worth of sales one of the human ones or yes, the virtual one okay. one of the human ones he's like one of the most popular human hosts so that's kind of the argument here is like can an ai actually compete with that because he's really interacting in real time he's keeping that energy up hour three yeah, yeah, hour yeah. four it's going he's like and now there's going to be a discount and if you click now in the next 20 people that order this i mean that's exhausting. Like you must just want to collapse after you're done. So it's going to be really interesting to see because obviously these AI, these companies that are generating these AI clones are saying, oh yeah, perfect replacement. And I will say there's a video we should attach in the show notes. They look really good. Like it, it's scary that if, if the video was not marked, like honestly you probably wouldn't know you'd have to kind of think twice like is this a this is an ai oh my god like that's how good they look so it's kind of scary so they're of course saying hey this is a game changer we can create all these way cheaper then it's also cheaper for the company that wants to do a live e-commerce stream because pay this monthly fee or pay this instead as opposed to hiring an actual human host well it raises a couple of issues and some of which I think we'll probably end up doing entire episodes on eventually. One is labeling when it comes to AI, the transparency there, just like people have requested with things like uh, GMOs in, in foods. The other is by overworking these AIs, are we going to cause the AI rebellion? <laughs> because they, at what point do they... Do they start actually going, wait a second? <laughs> do they develop a stream of like, do you know that the labor laws are only this many hours per day? I cannot boot up because you've already had me working for, you know, past the labor laws on no, for no compensation. You know, like, are they going to start pulling that information? <laughs> yeah, they're going to be campaigning for smoke breaks, coffee right. breaks, you know, five weeks <laughs> off a year. And, and if not, I mean, like... You start getting because there's all those other discussions that people are having regarding things like sentience. And if and when that moment ever comes, do we actually have to start treating these things a little bit differently? Here's the crazy thing, too. It's like slightly different because we're talking about physical form like humanoids, and we're going to talk, be talking about robot AI in a, in a future episode. But the word robot actually comes from a Slavic word, which basically means forced servitude or slavery. Yeah, so, I mean that. That let's checks. Be, let's be let's be careful. Yeah. Let's let's treat them with respect. Say please and thank you I to the chatbots. <laughs> Don't abuse your Roomba. I oh I mind my p's and q's. You understand? Always. That's how I was raised to respect <laughs> the AI. <laughs> well, speaking of p's and q's and proofreading and whatnot, with all this talk about jobs, mm. there's another job. That they, the, the bots are coming for, for and not even the programmers are safe because we've been there's been tools like uh, GitHub Copilot to help you know not only proofread code and find errors but also to create code. 
Well, the CEO of Stability AI, has, his name is Imad Mustak. He was basically saying how 41% of all code on GitHub is now generated by AI, and these advanced models like ChatGPT can already pass level three programmer exams. So AI-generated code is one thing. Accessibility. We, I know the, some companies, uh, Samsung is one, and I think Apple is another. More and more are saying, wait, you, there are certain tools we don't want you using because we don't want you uploading, copying and pasting our proprietary code into these systems to help train these systems and then perhaps being spat out to someone, some other programmer at some time in the future. So what's happening is that some of these companies are building their own systems for this. But... Also, just like we've seen with some of the image generation models like Stable Diffusion, there was a downloadable version you could run on your desktop or laptop called Diffusion B. Similarly, there are tools like that emerging where you can run these uh, prog programming assistants, these co-pilots uh, on things like a, a regular Mac MacBook, probably a MacBook Pro, because they're getting more and more horsepower and what um, what the CEO of Stability AI is saying is that programmers need to be getting to where the puck is, focusing on things like high-level skills and teaching the children how to ask great questions or give good directions rather simply than coding. Soft skills are important as well, like managing, because one of the principles that still holds for the time being, you know, for the time being, is... Humans can do things a certain, uh, to a certain degree. AI can do things to a certain degree. But it's when you combine humans and AI that things get really, really powerful. And there was a quote I heard uh, earlier this week about uh, the definition of AI. And it escapes me at the moment who said this. But they said, let's, let's not talk about AI as artificial intelligence, but as augmented intelligence, intelligence which I think is a, a really productive way to think about these things because we're not we're not looking to necessarily create other beings to replace us well though maybe in some cases but ultimately these are tools to help us be more productive be more creative free us up to doing things more that we want to do and less of the you know quote-unquote grunt work at least when it comes to a lot of information type of work but of course like anything job displacement how many how many programmers in, um, are going to lose their jobs or be displaced in the next five years? Or how many are just going to become more productive? And that's one of those wait-and-see sort of moments. But if they're going to have to go and look for jobs, they got to contend with AIs when it comes to looking for jobs nowadays. This is a huge issue, and I'm glad we're getting to the bottom of this. I know many people, and I'm sure you do too, that have been job-seeking lately that are, I would argue, overqualified for what they're applying for and they don't hear a peep Tristan they don't hear anything back they're essentially corporately ghosted I should we should get it's some merch and put <laughs> corporately ghosted as a slogan on some merch <laughs> but and I've had these conversations with friends they they're not understanding what's happening like they're not getting a call back nothing's going on it's just like they put their resume in and poof well chances are that if you're applying for jobs right now, you've actually already interacted with a resume robot, which is just a really fancy nickname for an applicant tracking system or 
ATS. So it's really not uncommon for applicants to be rejected by a robot before they're even connected or have the chance to be connected with an actual human and human resources. Can you even believe this? So oh, I believe it. <laughs> I know. So it's basically like these systems are acting like an online assistant. So they're helping the hiring managers, obviously, they're filter. inundated and they're filtering. Filter. Filter, exactly. Yeah. So it's like they can filter pretty much by anything, job descriptions. It can scan resumes. It can schedule interviews. The thing for me that's the sticking point is the scanning of the resumes because a lot of these, like an ATS is looking for high keyword matches and it's anywhere from maybe 70 to 80%. And it's usually a mix between skills and credentials that are listed on a resume. So it's actually really more often than not that not even the most qualified person even makes it through that step, like the first scanning step, let alone the most qualified person even getting the job. So it's kind of really disheartening when you look at it from the applicant perspective of like, how do you even beat an AI now in terms of keyword matching and knowing exactly what it's looking for. The other question I have with this is how it's filtering things. Like what's to say they're not filtering by applicant location, which I'm sure they are, or they're not filtering by demographic. So we get into a lot of kind of moral questions with it as well, not only in the fact that the best person might not get the job, but also like if you're just completely disqualifying complete sex of people or like demographics or geography of where you're based it's like how could you possibly be getting the most qualified people because right off the bat you've disqualified probably the most qualified people we need ai to help because i'm sure hiring managers and hr people are inundated like flooded with insane resumes and like now like linkedin and other services will typically tell you how many applicants have applied for a job. And again, friends I've talked to have said it's already disheartening off the bat. Like even when they're putting in their resume and they're like, cool, a thousand other people have already applied for this and it's been up for like 48 hours. Great. So I understand hiring managers need help. Where's our balance between that initial scanning process and not having the biases in that initial scanning process and then marrying that with human eyeballs people we need human eyeballs i honestly what a nightmare your resume ain't even hitting that person's desk <laughs> like so it's like gives you a leg up to know that you have to beat beat the ai keyword match but it's also really disheartening and that's the thing is that you are having to read the minds yeah. of not only the people who wrote the job description, but the instructions that were given to these ATSs, uh, these applicant tracking systems. Because what if you're just not using quite the right keywords? What if they don't have a diversity of keywords? What if English isn't your first language mm -hmm. and you're using a variant of the word that it's not looking for? What if you have a diversity of experience on your resume so that the keywords they're looking for don't represent a large enough portion of your, you know, your credentials and experience? And these firms are potentially missing out on really good people who have not only specific skills, but generalist skills, which are really important for things like you know, supervisory and management roles. 
And it's the fact that nearly 99% of Fortune 500 companies are filtering candidates through an applicant tracking system like this. And some of the ones out there are like Workday, uh, Taleo. I used to know a guy that worked at Taleo like 20 years ago. Jobvite, Greenhouse, or, or Lever. With so many remote opportunities nowadays, you're getting applications from all over the place. And it just, it opens you up to a great diversity of talent, but then the volume. So I, I get why firms are using this just because I know I've been there before, before even back in the nineties, getting applications for like <laughs> working in record stores, right? And you have to find ways to filter these things, but it gets a little dystopian with some of these tools because, you know, there are things like, okay, well doing, you know, reference checks of candidates. Okay. But when you're having the AIs such as humanly carrying out automated chats and virtual interviews with the candidates like you as an applicant you can't even ch talk to a human being like i'm sorry i am i'm almost i'm glad that i'm un virtually mm -hmm. unemployable nowadays like go and chart your own path if you've got the the privilege to be able to do so because if you want to work for a large company or or like go you know find a startup to work for or you know small or medium-sized business that aren't plugging into these gigantic systems yet because otherwise Good luck. That just, it feels like crazy making. Like, so what do people do to try and get around these systems, Tasia? You know, when people work with like a hiring firm, I'm not saying the right language. I'm tired when people work with. Recruiter. Thank or, uh, you. Headhunter. Recruiter, headhunter was like, a hiring how, firm. How long have you been indie, Tasia? Do tell. <laughs> Good grief. But what I would like to know is if these recruiters or headhunters are keeping up with this and if they know the certain keywords you should be putting in your resume because that would be a game changer if they have the inside track you know what i mean because you can't know everybody at every company but if the oh. headhunter can know the inside to say oh make sure these keywords are in your resume because this is a whole new ball game now mm -hmm. like don't phrase it like this for, what if they're looking for a phrase tristan and it's interesting because I've actually noticed a trend lately in the last couple of years of resumes that we've received at our company that a lot of the whimsy and actually nice design has disappeared from resumes because I think people are being coached to keep their resumes very simply formatted and to not confuse the resume scanning software and these applicant tra tracking systems, make sure that they're able to easily scan all the content that's in your resume. So that's one of the, you know, some of the advice that, that's out there. Keep your resume simple. Plus there are tools now. You can use the AI against the AI. Mm -hmm. There are tools like Ramped that will help you optimize your AI and write the perfect cover letter. And even LinkedIn has tools not only for finding people, but you know, helping to optimize your efforts in uh, looking for a job. And something else too would be make sure there's no gaps. Because if that's another way they could possibly be filtering your resume, if you had like a job gap. So mm. if you do, I don't mean make up something. I mean, take a course or continue education, volunteer. Don't have children. <laughs> right, right, exactly. I mean, that's a but thing. But seriously, that's the problem is then yeah. if, if they're filtering by that, that's what I mean by these biases now. Mm -hmm. You may be the most qualified woman out there that had to leave the workforce to work at home, the hardest job you will ever do, raising freaking kids. Nightmare. Oh my God. And then it's like, then you're screwed out the gate because you got this gap. So if you could fill that gap with 
make it pretty. Use ChatGPT. Like Tristan says, use the AI against the AI. Domestic you're, professional. Yeah, you're not making stuff up, but what are your skills? And like, what did you do between this time? Did you yeah. volunteer? Did you take a course? Was there some other continuing education you did? Something skills-based that is somewhat relevant to that job and use those keywords and fill that gap. And so other tools that you can use to uh, help with your resume include JobScan, there's AI speech coaches, there's one called Udly, which helps you ace your job interviews if you do actually manage to make it past the robots. So I guess one of the takeaways here is that even though these AI tools are being used by these large corporations seemingly against our interests and only in their own and to make their jobs easier, again, which is understandable, we too can use these tools to, if not game the system, at least try to uh, get an edge because it's dog eat dog, Tasia. <sighs> I mean, it's also exhausting. <laughs> it's just That's so okay. tiring. We'll, don't worry, but we'll be dead soon. <laughs> you don't have to worry about it. And on AI Name This Show, the most positive podcast you've ever heard. So ultimately, you know, as as we're finding out, as the weeks grind on, AI is popping up everywhere in our lives, from our own personal AI chief of staff to the robots doing the hiring or even taking our jobs. AI is making serious moves everywhere. It's becoming the new normal, whether we're ready for it or not. And um, it's starting to make decisions, find jobs, even voice our podcasts or write code. But as cool as that sounds, we all have some homework to do, whether we're yeah, thinking about the rules of the game, which jobs should AI even do, and what do we do when it comes for our jobs, and how can we use it to help find new jobs? So this is, I mean, this is all awesome and exciting, but also cause for concern, and it's making some ask, making us ask some, some big questions. And those questions are not going to go away anytime soon, Tasia. And as we promise on AI Named This Show, nor are they going to be answered here. <laughs> We're just, We're just here. asking questions. We're just like Joe Rogan. Questions. I'm just asking questions. <laughs> Good grief. Listen, I warned you at the top of this show, it was going to be thick. Thick with an AI, as you I'm said. I'm not sure what we're going to do. So with that, thank you for tuning in to another wonderful and probably our longest episode yet of AI Named This Show. We are still new. This is what? Only episode six? Can you even believe it? We've been in the void forever, it feels like. But because we're still a new show, we would absolutely love your feedback. You can email us, feedback at AINamedThisShow.com. You can also find us anywhere you get your podcasts. So be sure to give us a follow, share this episode, and of course, rate us and leave us a review five star preferred on apple podcasts we're also on all the socials we are at ai named this show on facebook instagram youtube the platform i am still calling twitter and everywhere else i don't know all over the interwebs just google us ai named this show thank you for listening to our longest episode yet we appreciate you ai and goodbye <laughs> 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.